The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. The same night, he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is in the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Um, Lord, we thank you for how you have spoken to us and done things in this church over the last four years. And God, we continue to pray for your hand of blessing on us as we move forward. God, I pray for Randall today as he brings the word. Uh, should you give him uh, power and clarity to be able to communicate what you would have him communicate to us and help our hearts to be open to that. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Good morning. Happy four-year anniversary, Grace City. Praise God. You know, one of the things as we think about four years is this, that any, anything that... that is good that has come from this church is is only because of the Lord. That's it. That's it. It's God's goodness. It's God's grace. And, um, you know, from the start, I've been able to see something from the start to, to now. You know, seeing this church from the start to now. Um, and so I just want to put a, a picture real quick of my family. And, um, you know, this is a picture that we took before we left from the East Coast, Savannah, Georgia, coming over here. And the reason that we came was because we felt God's calling. God was calling us to, to come and to be a part of a church planting movement, to, to be a church plant, you know. And, and I just want to say that I, I resonate with the Apostle Paul when he says, I came with fear and trembling. Um, because that's how it felt for me and, and my family as we came out here. Uh, we knew only a couple people and, you know, as we think about where we're at today in the story of what God's doing here in our church and in this community and, and even thinking about this better together uh, thing, um, it, it's all because of the goodness of God. That's it. And, and I know that it's, it's all glory to him. It's all glory to him. And so that you're here this morning um, and what, whatever... Uh, part of the journey that you've jumped in with us. Maybe this is your first day here. Uh, Maybe you've been with us from the very start. Um, But I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this. And um, it it really is a blessing to me and my family, you know, because uh, I want to show you a picture. This is the first uh, preview service that we were here, right here in these seats. And and we were just believing that God was going to bring the right people at the right time to be a part of this, this church. Um, but we didn't, we didn't start this um, just knowing that we were going to reach people. We just had a heart for it, just trusting God and stepping in faith. And, and, um, and so thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for being a part of this journey. 
So for us today, we're, we're in this series. We started at the beginning of the year. We're going to finish out in the book of Genesis. Um, and we are looking at um, Genesis 32, 22 through 32. Um, and the series is called The Gospel in Genesis. Um, the reason we talked about the gospel in Genesis is because this, you know, we can look at the Old Testament sometimes and think to ourselves, um, you know, that's the Old Testament. Let me jump to the New Testament because that's where Jesus comes into the story. But what we see is that Jesus is all throughout the Bible. He's all throughout the scriptures and that there's good news. There's gospel good news in the midst of some of the messiest situations, um, some of the, the most dysfunctional situations. And so now we're looking at the life of Jacob, and what we've seen is that Jacob's life is messy. Um, his family relationships, his, his own personal life. Um, if you were to pick somebody and say, I want to raise up somebody and say, this is going to be the hero of the story, this is going to be the hero of the Bible, Jacob's not the person. It's not the person. But in the midst of that, there is good news. That God is the one that we lift up in the story, that he's the hero of the story every single time. And we get to celebrate that uh, today again as we look at this story. Um, and I think it's really helpful for me as, as we walk through this text because thinking about the four years, I felt very similar to what this text is, is relaying to us. Because here's the message, it's this, it's wrestling with God. Wrestling with God. You know, what, what has happened over these four years that we've gotten to this place there's been a lot of wrestling with God, a lot of prayer, a lot of God. Is this really what you want me to do, God? And, and whether this is, again, your first time or this is, again, your hundredth time, whatever it is, we can all relate in saying, okay, we have to get to this place where we wrestle with God. It becomes personal. So over the, the span of three weeks, we've studied this this man, Jacob, in his life. And, and we've talked about three pivotal moments in his life. First, we talked about two, but now we're in the third one. And here's what we find out. All three are relational. See, the first week was about this really messy family dynamic that he had. But then we talked last week about how he encounters God for the first time, really has this encounter with God. And, and now we're going to talk about uh, what it means to, to truly embrace this relationship with God. But as we looked extensively at Genesis 28 last week, we talked about how Jacob was in this spiritually dark place. Very dark. But it was at the most crucial moment when Jacob was at a spiritual dead end that God graciously breaks through. See, it wasn't Jacob coming to God, but it was that God came to Jacob. And in that moment, we realize what the gospel is. It's that man doesn't work their way to God, trying to earn our way to God and trying to find favor with God and say, God, would you love me because of all that I've done? But it's that God worked his way down to us in the midst of our mess, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our brokenness and our dark moments. That God meets us there. And now in, in Genesis 32, everything is, is coming to this climax. See, his past is now colliding with his presence. Because what we find is that at the beginning of this chapter, in chapter 32, and I encourage you to read all the way through Genesis 32 to really get a grasp of what's happening here. 
But now he's about to meet his brother again, Esau. Esau is en route to meet him. And the last time that Esau saw him, he wanted to kill him. See, what we talked about was that Esau was the, the star brother. He was the one that, that had the favor of the father. That when, when everybody looked at Esau, they said, man, this is the guy right here that I want to be like. Jacob was off in the corner. But it was God choosing Jacob, choosing the lowly, choosing the one who was forgotten. He says, I'm going to choose this one. And so Jacob, in his deceptiveness, in his, okay, I'm going to push my plan forward way, conspired with his mother to, to get this plan together to trick dad, Isaac, and Esau to steal the blessing away. But like we talked about, just his personal sin caused a huge mess and just blew up his family to the point where he never saw his mother again. And so again, Jacob is at the end of himself. He's on his own and in deep need of grace once again. About this text, commentator Derek Kidner says, Jacob would soon discover grace, not negotiation, is the only solvent of guilt. Grace, not negotiation, because here's what we find out about Jacob. He knew how to negotiate. He knew how to get his way. He knew how to deceive people. But no longer is it going to be that that's going to be the solvent to his guilt. But it's going to be God's grace meeting him right where he's at. And so how does grace meet him? What we find is that it wrestles him to the ground. It wrestles him to the ground. It hits him when he least expects it. And that's why I love today's text. And so my question is this. Have you ever experienced this? Have you ever experienced being wrestled to the ground by God's grace? In the first year of Grace City, you know, we had that first Sunday, and it was great. We had another church that came and celebrated with us. Um, This place was packed with people. But the next week, it was like just a handful of us. It was most of us that just came to set up that morning we were here. And I remember we just kept meeting and, 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 and trying to, you know, just continue to be faithful to the calling that God gave us. And by the end of the year, we got to the point in December where I was like, man, this is really hard. And I was sitting on my back porch by myself. And I remember asking myself this, God, am I wasting people's time? I mean, I, you know, we're doing the setup, we're doing the tearing out, we're doing all this stuff, but like, is this really what you call me? Is this really it? Like, or am I just wasting people's time? And then my wife, in her wisdom, comes out there and sees me alone and, and says, uh, Randall, what you doing out there? So, you know, just thinking, just talking to God, asking him if, you know, or just wasting people's time. And she looked back at me, she says, Randall, you know that's, that's foolishness, right? You know that, that little voice inside your head right now, that's, that's, that's not God, right? And, and that you just entered into the battle. Is, you think it's going to be easy? You, you have to, to fight for this. You have to believe God. 
See, but here's the thing that I needed to learn more than anything. It's the same thing that Jacob learns in the midst of this story. It's that I needed to learn to walk with a limp because it's not about me. And what I was struggling with the most that day in my backyard was this. I thought it was about me still. I still thought it was about me. And so there are going to be moments in your life, and they were in my life too, where God has to wrestle us down to the ground and say, hey, you thought it was about you, but it's not. See, it's always been about God. And my wife that, night, that day reminded me that it wasn't about me. It was about God. And we prayed right there in that moment. See, this is the lesson that Jacob learns in today's text. And I hope that we learn through it as well. So again, our text is Genesis 32, 22 through 32. And, and what does it look like to wrestle with God? Well, for Jacob, there were three aspects to it. There were three aspects to his wrestling that we see in this text. Uh, the first one is this, coming alone. Number two, experiencing pain. And number three, holding tightly. Coming alone, experiencing pain, holding tightly. So the first point is this, coming alone. Look at verses 22 through 24. So the same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. What's the setting here? Well, if you're wondering about the two wives thing, go back a little bit to Rachel and Leah and the whole story. And I, and I preached on that before, so go on the podcast. I talk all about that. It's a little strange for us. But what's happening here is, in, in really the setting, it helps us at the beginning of verse 32, or 22, it says, the same night he arose. The same night he arose. Now, last week, we talked about how the author is painting a spiritual picture, picture for Jacob's life. You see, th there was a deep spiritual darkness that ruled over him because of sin and shame. And, and it had followed him his whole life. And up to this point, th though Jacob had heard about God, and now what we talked about in, in Genesis 28, even seen God, he never truly surrendered to God never truly surrendered to God and so at this point he's still in the dark spiritually he's still in the dark and so he is sending everything that he owns everyone he loves and he's sending it to the other side of the stream and, and the reason is is because he knows that he needs to be alone he knows that he needs God personally. And so he's sending everything that he owns, all, all his family away to get to a place where he could pray. Because we see that at the beginning of, of verse 32, or, or chapter 32 here, where he's praying. But the reality is that many of us are scared to get alone with God are scared to, to get to this place where we got to send over everything and say, okay, I'm going to trust you, God. In a 2017 LifeWay research 
survey, 66% of Americans between 23 and 30 years old said they stopped attending church on a regular basis for at least a year after turning 18. Most young churchgoers skip out on Sundays at some point in their transition to going to college, moving away from home, or starting their first jobs is, is really what it says takes them away. Why is that such a transition point for many of us? Why, why is that a place where, where we, we've, it says that statistically, walk away from the church? Here's some of the reasons. It's because there are times where we can love the community that we were in, right? The, the church community that we were in or maybe a, a part of. And we didn't really realize it, but when, when we go away from that church community, we love that community more than we love Jesus. What can happen is that as we get away from our family structure, maybe they took us to church our whole lives. But when we get away from that family structure, what, what happens is it, it just kind of exposes like, oh, well, maybe I only went, was a part of things because my family. So now that I'm away from my family, I don't have anybody telling me what to do. I got to make my own decision now. Right? This is a reality. And so what's happening here is very similar for Jacob because, again, he grew up his whole life hearing about God. Isaac was his father. Right? Isaac was given the promise. He'd probably heard all about God. He had a community of people right, that, that told him about God, but now it's becoming real for him personally. But what he's finding out is this, that he had to come alone. He had to come on his own. See, why do people walk away from their faith? It's because, like Jacob, in many ways, we can hear about God, even see God move, but never truly surrender to him. And so what does Jacob do next? Well, verse 23 says this. Again, he took his family, sent them across, everything he owned. And verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. He was left alone. In the dark. At this point in his life, all his family, all his stuff is gone, and it's just him and God. Derek Kidner says this again, commentary. He says, Both his renewed desire to be alone and the form that the night struggle took indicate a hunger now for God himself, a hunger awakened by the crisis, but not determined by it. He is scared to death. I mean, you ever been in those moments where you're just scared? You're thinking about your future. You're thinking everything's going to cave in. I don't know what's going to happen. Right before this church was planned, I remember like just so vividly being in the bedroom, curled up, curled up in a ball, scared. Why did I do this? You know, like, well, what are we doing? I remember that. Like, that it was just me and God. See, what, what, is, what is this whole process doing? It is, it is helping us to, to, to just push away from the things that we can try and find our comfort in other than God. But it's scary. And so he comes alone. 
But second, this, it's, it's to experiencing pain. Again, look at verse 24 into uh, 26. And, and, a, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Okay, so there's a lot happening here. But as Jacob is alone at night, out of nowhere, he gets ambushed by a man. You're like, well, what is happening? This man just attacks him, starts wrestling with him, and it wrestles him to the ground. And so he's all alone wrestling with somebody. And, and here's the thing about wrestling. Wrestling, you are in very close proximity with the other person. This isn't something where you, you, got, you got distance, but you are wrestling up close and personal. And Jacob didn't realize it at the time, but what we find is there's clues more and more and more and more that this wasn't just any man, but this was God himself. See, this time it's not a vision, but it's a face-to-face -face struggle. See, when God is seen in the Old Testament as a man, he's usually called the angel of the Lord. And we've talked about that, that in this series. You know, we've seen the angel of the Lord pop up throughout the book of Genesis. And you're like, who is the angel of the Lord? Because the angel of the Lord, like the, the word angel means messenger. But what we've seen is that there was a messenger of the Lord. But the angel of the Lord in particular is not treated like any angel. Because angels, whenever they were worshipped, they didn't receive worship. They said, no, why are you worshipping me? You should worship God. You should fear God. But we see that it, throughout Scripture, and I, I would love for you to just do some research on this, but the angel of the Lord is different, unique throughout all of Scripture. And many commentators believe that the angel of the Lord is Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus himself. And so Jacob is in this struggle with God but he doesn't immediately know it. And so the author helps us gradually giving us clues to his identity. But here's what we know. Jacob needed this struggle for the breaking of the day in his life to happen. Because like we talked about, there's a darkness, there's a spiritual darkness in his life. But for the breaking of the day to come in, he's got to face God himself. This was the test. Would Jacob fight through to the end? Even if there's pain involved. Even if there's pain involved. Because look at verse 25. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. So in the middle of this wrestling match, we see that who we know to be God, all he does is touch his hip, and it puts his hip out of place. So any normal person isn't able to do that. And so what we find out is that the one that Jacob is wrestling with was able to demolish him. At any moment, he could have demolished him, but instead he chose to only put his hip out of place. 
the restraining power of this person he's wrestling with to the point where Jacob thinks he actually has a chance, right? He actually thinks he has a chance, but he doesn't. And all this man had to do was put a finger there on his hip socket, touch him, and it put it out of joint. Now, why did this pain come into his life? Why did God do it? C.S. Lewis once said it like this. He says, pain insists about, upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks, to, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Right? When you think about the pain that enters your life, the pain at times that we think is going to destroy us, but it doesn't. Could we believe that God could be the one who allowed this into our life to, to wake us up so that we could see that we're standing face to face with God and that he's everything we need? You see, through experiencing pain, God is waking Jacob up. All his life, Jacob's gone to other places to find the blessing. Right, we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago about how he went to his father, just hoping that his father would just bless his life. Here's the blessing, Jacob. Here's the thing that I, I love you, I adore you, I honor you. But at no point did it come. Right, it's the thing that, that he wrestled for his whole life, deceiving and lying and trying to be something that he wasn't, but he never got that blessing. to go to his brother, to, to, to find a romantic relationship, right? And, and like I said, it's a little messy love triangle right there. Leah, Rachel, all the stuff that happens there. But he thought that his life would have been complete with Rachel. But it wasn't. It wasn't. See, all of these places he tried to find that blessing. Now, as he's brought face to face with the living God, the thing he said is this. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Until you bless me. Right. God, at this point in my life, I fought all these, these different places trying to find somebody to honor me and love me and adore me. But now, now I know that the only place that I need that is you. God, more than any other place, I need you to be the one that gives me that love. And the question is, will he keep fighting or will he give up? Will he keep fighting or will he give up? So the last point is this, holding tightly. Look at verses 27 through 31. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Look at verse 31. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping 
because of his hip. You see, the name Jacob means heel grabber, overthrower. He he was one that, you know, would usurp or take over things. And what we see is that his whole life he would do it by fighting for himself through lying, cheating, deceiving. And what we also see is that his sin brought a, a path of broken relationships. You see, he, he'd done it his way his whole life. And in many ways, he got to the place where, where he was. That, that, that's what got him to where he was, spiritually and relationally broken. But now, for the first time, he'd come to the right place. He, he'd wrestled with the only one who could truly give him his life, to truly give him that blessing. He'd met and wrestled with God. You see, what was Jacob's biggest problem? Was it Esau? No. Was it his family, like Rachel, all these things? Like, was it Laban, his father-in-law? No. You see, at the end of the day, there was a much deeper problem behind the problem. For many of us, we struggle. And we say that the biggest problems that we have in our life are outside of us. It's outside of me. But what the Bible tells us is that the biggest problem that we have is inside of us. It's our personal sin. It's our our desire to be in control. It's our desire to, to be out front and say, I'm the ruler and leader of my life. And for Jacob coming face to face with God, he's realizing that for the first time, I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge. On the story of Jacob, pastor and author Timothy Keller says this. He says, the problem beneath all of your problems has been you've been wrestling with God. You've been trying to resist God. You've been trying to fight with God. You've been trying to fight God out of your life. You want to be your own savior and your own Lord. God says, until you realize I'm at the center of what's wrong with your life, until you realize I'm the one you've been wrestling with all your life, again, not Esau, not Isaac, not Jacob, not anybody else, me, you're not going to really understand yourself and you're not going to really have an encounter with me. So what's this all about? It's about being changed. It's about meeting God for real. See, he realized that God struck him in the hip when he deserved to be struck in the heart. In the heart. See, God had the power to strike him dead, but he didn't. Why? Because God wrestled him down with his grace. Undeserved. Unmerited. Grace. And what did God's grace do in Jacob's life? Well, it did two things. First, it changed his name. God changed his name. You see it? He says, instead of Jacob, now I'm going to call you Israel. And, and what the, the meaning of Israel is this. You know, for Jacob, it was about him fighting for his life, fighting for himself. But now it's this, God contends. That's what his name means now. Israel means God contends. So I don't have to fight for my life anymore. I don't have to prove myself any longer. Now he has a new name. God contends. 
His life is in God's hands, not his own any longer. And he needed to be renamed and reshaped in that image. But the second part is this. God made him walk with a limp. Look at verse 31. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel. So the sun rises limping because of his hip. You know, one of the biggest things that we try to fight is our own weakness. We don't want to embrace it. We don't want to own it. We don't want to say, yeah, that's really who I am and what I struggle with. But do you know that's the reason why many of us don't have the sun break through in our lives and the sun to rise? See, God is going to get us to a place where he wrestles us down and helps us to get to a place where we can be real. But there are moments where we're going to have to walk with a limp. J.I. Packer says this, the way of true spiritual strength leading to real fruitfulness in Christian life and service is the humble, self-distrustful way of consciously recognized weakness in spiritual things. When I understand that I don't understand, (laughs) that's when true strength breaks through into our lives. That's where God meets Jacob and says, you're going to walk like this the rest of your life because you're never going to forget this encounter with me. And I remember when we were planting Grace City, people would ask like, well, how's this going to happen and how's that going to happen? And I was like, I don't know. And, um, And, you know, I felt really weak. I felt like, man, why would God trust a person like me? Because I don't have this... I don't have all the answers. I don't have all this stuff together. It's just like, man, why would he trust a person like me? I feel really weak right now. But that's the place he wanted me to be. Because there's a lot of times in my life where I did think I had the answers. I did think I was stronger than I really was. See, but God must break us down with his grace to show us that that's how he wants all Christians to walk. Not just some, all of us and brokenness and humility so that we put our hope in Christ. And so just some quick takeaways today as we wrap up. First one is this. What area in your life are you wrestling with God? What area in your life are you wrestling with God? Because maybe you don't even realize it right now, but it's there. There's this tension between you and him and things that you don't want to talk about with God because you just know it's, it's just you don't want to face it. Right, maybe it's this current season of life that you're in and you just feel like stagnant and stale. Like, I don't even know where I should be. I don't even want to be here. Like, season of life things. Maybe it's relationships. Right, and like, I don't want to hold on. I don't want to hold tightly onto this any longer. Marriage, kids, work, whatever it is. God will uncover these places in our lives where we are just wrestling with him. But would you come and talk with him about it. See, here's the beautiful part about the God of the Bible is this, that it's okay to wrestle. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to come with him with our struggles and our doubts. He actually invites that. And so that you and I could come to a place where we come face to face with him and say, God, help me. Because I don't understand. I don't understand. 
in a 15th century Christian writer, John of the Cross, coined this term. He, he said, you know, that there are different points in your life where you will have a dark night of the soul. A dark night of the soul. And I think that relates with a lot of us, you know, where you, you go through moments where you're like, man, I, I, is God there? Is, but there was an article that was written about this um, by Chuck DeGroat. He, he talked about, he said, there's three truths about the dark night of the soul that, that comes out when we wrestle with this. The first one is this. Dark nights provoke deep questions. Dark nights pro- provoke deep questions. It, it, see, if we don't get to this place, We just keep going. We don't really ask deep questions, do we? We just kind of stay on the surface. But when you wrestle with things and when you go through dark times, like it gets you to the place where you start asking some really good questions. Two, dark nights are both spiritual and psychological. Right? It it, it can mess with your heart and your mind. You know, I I heard this um, thing that said, you know, like the, when, when when my mind deceives me, you know, Lord, protect my heart. Because it can just, whatever that, that lie is that gets into your mind can just go straight to your heart. And it can just mess with you. And in those dark nights, it's, it's easy to do that too. The third part is this, dark nights provide opportunities for growth. Uh, Chuck DeGroat, at the end of the article, he says, the purpose of the dark night is to strip us of our futile attempts to find God on our own terms and awaken us to a much simpler desire for intimacy with God. What's my hope for this church? What's the hope for us? That we would have a deep intimacy with God. That we just kind of strip away all the other stuff, right? And it's like really get down to it of like, what does it look like to have a relationship with the God of the universe? And not come on my terms, but his terms. And sometimes it's gonna feel like that wrestling match. Secondly, this, would you hold on long enough for God to change you? What I know about this generation is this, that we give up really quickly, don't we? We give up really quickly. People are writing books about us like, oh, they just give up so quickly. Like, you know, doing TED Talks about us. Like, all right, why don't you have any grit, you know, like that type of thing. And, and here's the thing, with God, like he's calling us like, hey, don't give up. Keep holding on. Keep trusting me. Because in some ways, we don't understand what real blessing is. We think blessing is this, that it's, everything is up and to the right and everything is fantastic and everything's going perfect in my life right now. But what we find is that blessing sometimes is getting our hip out of joint so that we can meet the real and living God. Right? So, so that happens in our lives for God's glory. But you got to know and you got to hold on tight to the end. Would you hold on long enough for God to change you? And lastly, do you see God becoming weak for you? Do you see God becoming weak for you? See, we won't understand the gospel until we see how shocking it is that God became weak for us. You see, what is it that changed Jacob's life? It's seeing that God became weak for him. Again, look at verse 30. Here's what it says. Jacob says, for I have seen God face to face and yet my life has been delivered. Why? Because he knew that God could have wiped him from the face of the earth if he wanted to. But he only put his hip out of, out of socket. 
he knew he'd been delivered from this holy, almighty God that he'd come face to face with. And so God restrained his strength so that Jacob could understand this. See, how, how, do, how does this play out in our lives? Well, it always comes back to this. It comes back to this for you and me because we all will ask the question, how do I know God loves me? I know that's true for Jacob, but how do I know it's true for me? How does this play out for my life? Because I wrestle with God too. It's when we look at Matthew 27, verse 40, when it says this, people taunting God as he's on the cross. They say, you who would destroy the temple, rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from that cross. Come down from that cross. If, you, if you're really as strong as you say you are, you could come down from that cross. You see, Jacob held on to God and was blessed. Jesus held on to the cross and was cursed. They cursed at him. They looked at him and said, I thought you were stronger than that. Jacob took the blow to his hip and he walked away with a limp. Jesus took the death blow to the heart and died. Why? It's so that when you and I wrestle with God, we can know that we can look at the cross and know that we are truly loved. That, that he could have gave me the death blow right there because I would have deserved it. But instead, he humbles me so that I can understand his grace and his love. So my question is, if you, if you want to truly know who God is, come to the foot of the cross and wrestle with what Jesus has done for you. It will change you forever. It will. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that we get this picture of the cross and what you've done for us. And I pray that this church will be built on the foundation of the gospel. The foundation that Jesus, you did it all. And that we get to come in, in our hurts and our pains and those moments where we don't know where to go and what to do. That you meet us with your grace and you meet us right there at the cross and say, I love you. I went through the ultimate pain for you. And let that sink deep into our hearts so that we know that for eternity, because of Jesus, we are loved. May that be what this, this church is all about. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.